Welcome to season three of Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast, where I talk about life after divorce with a playful, fresh, out-of-the-box perspective. Every episode includes burning questions, spicy conversations, and tips to happiness. Are you ready to turn your setback into a comeback? Then join me on today's episode. It's time to get started on your new beginning. Well, welcome to season three of Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast. It's only a week away from Thanksgiving. Maybe you're planning your menu right now. I can't wait for some pumpkin pie myself. We're actually going to talk about food today, but not about Thanksgiving dinner. We're going to talk about foodie calls. Have you ever experienced a foodie call? And do you even know what one is? Because I did not know until a few months ago when my girlfriend told me about foodie calls and they are making national news. A recent study showed that a third of women have engaged in a foodie call. A foodie call is when someone uses someone for a free meal. I know. Have you done this? I'm not going to judge. You can tell me. DM me later. And I want to know how men feel about this dating phenomenon. So I have invited my two divorced dad buddies, life coach for divorce recovery and author Darren Douglas and podcast co-host of Divorce Doesn't Suck, Daniel Harold, to dish about foodie calls and all things dating after divorce. Let's get this juicy chat started with some burning questions. Burning questions. Let's turn up the heat for 60 seconds. Okay, well, I have been waiting to turn up the heat with these two fine divorced dads, life coach Darren Douglas and divorced dad and my Instagram live buddy, Daniel Harold. Thank you so much for being part of this conversation today. Hey, thanks for having me. Always good to be on your programs. It's good to see you. This juicy chat, it's going to be juicier than a turkey breast on Thanksgiving Day. We're going to start with some burning questions. I'm going to have Daniel answer the first question, and then Darren will follow. Are you ready, gentlemen? Let's go. Okay, because these questions have been tailored just for you. Daniel, would you rather be slathered in gravy or in cranberry sauce? Mm, Gravy because it's warm. (laughs) I did not expect that question. (laughs) What am I going to get? Okay, Darren, besides food or sex, what is one thing you'd like to get for free from a date? Um, A free movie. Daniel, (laughs) did dating after divorce accelerate your healing? Yes, it's a big part of it. Darren, do you consider yourself a Romeo? Yes. Daniel, why do you think the word booty call has a Y at the end of it? The word booty, why is there a Y at the end of it, Daniel? A Y? Booty call. For booty. Man, that's, uh, you're stumping me on that one. I don't know. I'm going to defer to Darren. He may he may oh, know boy. that right out of the bat. Why are we asking that question? We'll throw it back. <laughs> Moving on, Darren, if you had to eat a flavor of pie at every meal for the rest of your life, what flavor would it be? Cherry pie. Cherry pie. Nice. I like that. That's spicy. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Daniel, what chain of restaurant do you think most women want to have a foodie call at? Uh, It'd have to be fine dining is would be my guess. Uh, It's definitely not going to be Outback, Sadie. Maybe Red Lobster. Something. Well, no, no, Red Lobster, (laughs) although the biscuits are really good. No, I don't know. It's not going to be it's not going to be something that that is commonly known, I would guess. Okay, Darren, which do you think is more delicious, a foodie call or a booty call? Mm. Romeo, uh. are you going to say Romeo? (laughs) 
I'm going to go with a booty call. <laughs> nice. Boom. I like it. Okay. Daniel, what is a dating app that no one has likely heard of, but they should try? Luxie. L-U-X-Y. Luxie. Like spicy, like booty. Okay. Darren, have you ever personally experienced a foodie call? No. No. Daniel, have you? I don't think. I got to admit, I had to Google it. I didn't know what it was. The I didn't no. Google it because I wanted to learn it here. <laughs> you want to learn it here and you're going to talk, actually going to talk about it. So, okay, <laughs> Daniel, enlighten your friend Darren here. What is a foodie call? And also the listener needs to know too. Well, the definition was, was one dater whose sole intention is to get a free meal by dating someone else or going out on dates with someone else. So <laughs> you're basically accepting dates to get free food. <laughs> This is That's a phenomenon. A you are laughing, Darren. This is actually all over the internet. I mean, they no have, they have, scientists have analyzed who are these women that are doing these foodie calls. I swear. See, I was going to say that it was a woman doing it, I, I, but I refrained it because I, I mean, I can't imagine a guy asking for a foodie call. But uh, yeah, it's mostly the women that are that are utilizing using men and dates to get free food. I, I didn't know it was scientifically right studied. Around the corner, I know I would like some free pie. I'm just <laughs> some free cherry pie, oh, Darren. Boy. I know. Okay. okay. So, right. Darren, have you ever experienced, now that you know what a foodie call is, have you, have you been the victim of a foodie call? No, I don't think I have. I've been on one date and that's it. And I paid for the dinner. But... One date in your whole career since you've been divorced. No, no, no. I've, like, oh. like, I've been on one date <laughs> like, with wow. women. You're a little behind the game I've... here, Darren. Uh, Daniel and I are going to help you out today. <laughs> the women that I've, I should rephrase that. The women I've been on one date with and no, it didn't progress further. I mean, I paid for the meal, so I'm kind of second guessing myself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You might Maybe wanna, I You have. might want to like think back on uh, what was going I on know. there because they got some I'm good food reflect. from you. I don't know if they got cherry pie or if you got any. But, you know, like, <laughs> they did not get cherry pie. Okay, okay. Daniel, have you been a victim of a foodie call? Uh, to my knowledge, the answer is no. I would think that someone that does a foodie call would probably not ask for a second foodie call. So as, as long as you're able to get the second date, then maybe you didn't get foodied, right? Is that a verb? I don't know. I so, mean, if they know that you're always going to take them out on, to a nice dinner, I, you never know. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you might, I mean, we might both be surprised how many women have <laughs> called us for foodie calls. I know, right? Because women, we kind of know what a booty, like we can figure out a booty call pretty quickly. It always happens late at night. There's never anything else planned. It's not a thought. So, you know what so I mean? in, the, food, in the context like of calls. a foodie, does the woman text and say, you up? Is that part of the foodie call <laughs> dialogue? You up at five o'clock for a little din-din? Yeah, the meet me for half the hour. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I have been so curious to hear from some guy friends about these foodie calls because I have other divorced dad friends that complain about this to me. Oh. Not See, I would, have, I would have thought that maybe it was a younger generation issue, but it sounds from what you're saying is that it happens in the 40 and 50 somethings too. Yeah, I had a friend who's, who went on a date. He's from Atlanta. Okay, that city's expensive. We, we all agree. We nod our heads and agree. He had a woman who suggested a restaurant, like a high-end, like it was her idea, a high-end restaurant. They go to this restaurant. They spend like $200 on this dinner that she suggested, and she did not offer to pay anything for the meal what would you do in that situation divorce dads i'd, I'd pay for the date but was there a second date or i pay for the dinner but was there a second date 
No, he did not want to go out with her again. After he felt kind of set up. Oh. I mean, okay. she suggested the super high end place, and then she didn't even offer to chip in and help pay. I mean, was that bad. the deal breaker? Was that the deal he breaker was, for him? Yeah, he was not feeling yeah. that, Darren. That okay, was not... that makes sense. I mean, that's quite a first date. That is. Yeah. We, we Midwestern women would never do that to a man. We're just too cheap. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little bit different, though, because I dated when I traveled. And so part of my stick was I would say, hey, you know the area, you know the restaurants, take us to a cool place. And I'd kind of let the woman pick where we were going to go eat. Now, I don't ever recall spending 300 bucks for a dinner, but it was always a pretty nice restaurant. So maybe I've been foodied more than you know. I think it is a little more subtle. So to the divorce dad listening who needs some help, I mean, we're kind of winging it right now, guys, because you're claiming innocence here, but what would you suggest? I mean, gosh, look, I'm never going to let a woman pay for the meal anyway. I mean, that's a whole other discussion. So, you know, the, the easy answer could be that you insist that you split the bill, but that's just not in my psyche to do something like that. You know, it's, it's probably very hard, Sadie, to read between the lines and see if someone is just superficially using you versus really wanting to get to know you. And maybe the idea of where you're going every time, the second date is maybe even nicer than the first date. Or, you know, maybe maybe you take the initiative and try to initiate an idea of something that's a little bit more chill, like a bar or a happy hour or versus yeah, or versus walk. saying, hey, let's a go to a steakhouse. <laughs> How about a free yeah. walk? And, those, those are and nice. if I was to ask a woman on a date, I'd be sure in in my head that I'd I'd be able to pay for dinner for both of us. Like that's just that's the way I think. So if I'm going to go out on a date, this is how much money I'm willing to spend. And a lot of the time when I when I was dating women like for the first date, they'd want me to pick the restaurant and that kind of put a lot of pressure on me too. Like I don't know what, what these women like to eat, but we'll go we'll try it out. And um I I know and realize that I'm paying for this date. Like period. And if we'll have a conversation about it. And there's an energy I think you can feel across the table or, or next to each other that you get, whether you get that real energy or that uh, that foodie energy, if you will. The foodie energy. All, yeah. right. All the divorced dads are going to be on a high alert now what that foodie energy is. Darren, I have a feeling you might have some nice divorced moms sliding into your DMs after this episode drops. I'm just saying. I don't know. I hope it I could can. be wrong. I could be wrong. Okay, here's another. I hope I can afford dinner for them all. <laughs> yeah, start saving now. Okay, I have another burning question for both of you, and this is, again, from one of my listeners. She and her friends, she lives in D.C. She is uh, an attorney. She has uh, a great career. She makes a great living, and she and her girlfriends are finding after divorce that a lot of the dads that they date are not, they do not have the same type of mm, financial freedom that she and her friends have. And it causes some challenges because like one of her girlfriends was sharing with her that this man that she's dating expects her to pay for everything because she makes so much more money than he does. What do you think about that? I'm going back to my original mindset that if I'm going to date a woman I'm, and, and we're going to go out, that I'll have enough money to pay for both of us. But I'd have to, you know, legitimately figure out what we're doing before because and on the other side, men are more financially strapped, especially after divorce well, that's with what kids. She's saying that that's her, you know that's her, the trouble is that they are more so, strapped, and then right, their friends. So we have her- to be yeah, yeah. We have to be more cognizant of where we are spending our money because a lot of it's going to, in my case, uh, child support, spouse support, so on and so forth. So 
dating a woman that makes more money, I've got no problem with. In fact, it's it's attractive to me because I'm attracted to women that are driven, that are motiv- uh, entrepreneurs. It's just how how my brain works. Um, and we can feed off of each other and, and build off of each other like that with energy like that. So, but I, I'd still have that urge to, if we're going on a date, I'm going to want to pay for the date period. What if she wanted to go, want to go like half in? We talk about it. And I, I, if that's something that she'd want, I'd be okay with, I mean, that's cool. I'd hope we'd understand each other a lot more. I mean, money is a tough topic anyway. Like it's so hard to talk about, especially one or two or three dates in, there's got to be a lot of vulnerability with money too. And breaking down that vulnerability and talking about that on the first or second date is really hard. So talking about that check when it shows up, have a conversation about it, see where it goes. How about you, Daniel Harold? I mean, look, if I'm 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 in the business of courting and part of courting a woman is not only being chivalrous, but displaying the acts that that represent that. And part of that is treating a woman. And so if a, I can't imagine knowing that a woman's making more than me to be able to say, well, you're picking this one up. That, that's just, that's just, I just can't imagine that I would even think that. And so I had, I had no issue when I was dating of dating someone that was more successful than I was or making more money than me, but I'm always going to pay or insist on paying. And when you get into a relationship, then the dynamics of money changes. You know, that's when you may split or she picks up one, you pick up one, or you, you know, it's completely different when you're in an exclusive relationship. But when you're dating, in my mind, a man should court a woman, which means should pursue a woman. And part of that is to treat her. And so I'm paying for the check. Okay. This, I can't wait to get some feedback from other divorced dads because I have received so many variety of, of responses to this. Like I have, again, a lot of friends that are men that are get, they get tired of paying all the time. Like they would love a woman to participate. And I'm not saying one right way is right and one way is wrong. I'm just, this is kind of your opinion, you know? So I'm of the mindset where I'm, I'm fine to like pay my pay for my dinner. I, you know, but I I do as a woman, I do like to be treated well, but I also don't want to be seen as someone who's incompetent of reciprocating because I am very competent of reciprocating. So I think for women too, or kind of like that, we don't want to be seen in a certain way. Like we're independent, we're capable. And so we want to show that. But what I'm hearing from you two gentlemen today on this delicious foodie call conversation is that you kind of like being in that position of like, yeah, I want to treat a woman well. I want to show her that I'm interested. And this is one way of doing that. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. And I can, I can go to a restaurant that is $50 a head versus $150 a head. So it's as a man, if, if you're insistent on paying because you just believe that's the right thing to do, you want to be chivalrous, then it's all about the choices of where you go and what you do. You don't always have to go to a high-end restaurant on every date. You can do lots of other things. You can go hiking. There's lots of other things that are a lot more affordable where you can still get a good experience of being with someone else. Yeah. And that's what I look like, look at when I'm preparing, uh, preparing for dates is let's do something like hiking or outdoors, let's go visit a park, things like that, where I could pick, I, it's easy for me to, to buy two cups of coffee. Right. So easy, like that, that's kind of where my mind is when it comes to dating and, and financially where I can, where I can spend money and where I can't. But I'm so always thinking like, that limits. I'm paying right. And then you're not your limits. Feel, yeah, and then you're not going to maybe feel so resentful if you know your right. limits and you work within your your limits. Yeah, work within your because it's about 
it's about the experience, right? It's about the other person. You can go to, like Daniel said, you can go to a $200 restaurant or a $50 restaurant. It's about that person. Okay, we're going to dig a little deeper here. Daniel Harold, <laughs> this question is tailored just for you. <laughs> <Are you ready? laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. When you think about how you dated right after divorce, what did you do well and what did you uh, not do so well? We'll start with Daniel. Um... I pro- what I did well is I was really good in the DMs, really good in the messaging. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a I'm sales by profession. You're very and convincing. So I am shocked. Talking was easy. Having communications, flirting. You know, probably what I didn't do well was um, probably setting boundaries, setting proper expectations. I learned that kind of the hard way. What does of, that look, mean? Look, hey, this is where I am. I'm not looking, you know, I'm casually dating. And I didn't know what that quite meant at the time. I really didn't know what I knew. And so as I navigated through, I kind of figured out, I'm not looking for a relationship. I'm just enjoying the dating process. I'm not even ready. And once I figured that I needed to be communicating that on the front end to allow women to make choices, whether or not they wanted to go on a date with me based on what my position was, it changed my whole game. And did you find that a lot uh, fewer women wanted to go on dates with you or did it kind of- I had three, I had three buckets. I had one that said, no way, I'm looking for a relationship, best of luck, you're trouble. <laughs> I had others others that said, I'm in the exact same boat, let's go have fun, I would love to get to know you. And then there was the third group of women that said, well, I'm looking for a relationship, but you still seem like fun. Those were the most trouble. But I like Those your were- face. Those always created the issues. <laughs> they really do. And I have been that woman in that third bucket. And, and you know what? It causes issues for the women in that third bucket too. Just sidebar. We don't get away Scott, Scott for either. Just saying Daniel and Darren. Yeah, but it's it's subconsciously saying, I, well, I can change you. Come out with me and oh, right. see what happens. Oh, you have to think about yeah. that. I think I've it was more like, well, that. I just really like your face. So. <laughs> I wish I wish in hindsight I would have always said no to the third bucket. But the okay. third bucket ended up being the hottest. Those were the most attractive women. <laughs> I know. Can I just hot. take a bow now or should I? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. You can't. You can't. Oh, thank you. Okay, Darren, how about you? I don't know. Uh, well, like, Daniel and I were, I don't know what we're for veterans on dating after divorce because I'm only four years into my divorce. But Darren, how many years are you into your divorce? I'm a year out. Yeah, you're like, you're so new. Oh, I love that. I'm so happy for you. You are. You're stumbling and fumbling along the way. Right? You're in that that honeymoon stage where everything is so new and delicious and shiny. Yeah. 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 So, but, so what I, I'm a flirt. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I I like like He already, he already, at least he called it. You called it. And I, and I like to, I like to take care of women. So like we were talking about money and the checks, open doors, all those things. So I was good at that stuff. Um, what I wasn't good at was I, I tried to date too soon when I wasn't, when I was still broken from the divorce and a lot of those feelings or emotions popped up during the date that probably turned some women off. Like I'm, I'm still grieving from a broken marriage and, or an ended marriage and, and, uh, I'm trying to date you. I need to work on myself first. Mm -hmm. Um, so once you start, once you start working on yourself and, doing the things that you need to heal, that's when you start finding women that will mirror what you're really looking for. And men, it goes both ways, right? So same with women. They'll work on yourself and you'll, like a magnet, the people that you really need will come forward. I just think a lot of people after divorce, uh, you know, I could be wrong. They're not ready to work on themselves. 
Were you really <laughs> ready to? I mean, I, I'm just going to own it. I was not ready to work on myself after my divorce. I just wanted to have a little fun. I mean, the divorce is so exhausting. I have no judgment for anyone because I, I'm like, I'm just going to have some fun for like a season or two. And then, you know. But see, that's okay because you you called it. You, oh, I you did. It's very it. upfront. Yeah. It's the people that just don't know where they are. And I was, I was like you, Darren. I was like, I have no idea what I want. And so I got into a couple of like exclusive relationships right out of my divorce. And they just were, you know, crash and burns because... I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to heal. I hadn't healed. I didn't know what I wanted. And so, yeah, there is that phase, I think, for men and women when you get when you're done. And maybe if you've never tried dating apps ever before, you get in there. It's like a kid in a candy store. Right. I want that. I want that. I want and you're that. like, like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. Like a scoop of that. Yeah, exactly. I know. But then that but, kind of fades away. Just FYI. <laughs> You know, Especially when you see the same people on different on apps. Oh my gosh. It, yeah, right. And for you two gentlemen, now that you're kind of on the other side. Okay, so I talk a lot about vetting. Like if you're actually looking for a real, like something of more substance. Or, you know, if you're looking just for fun and games. Like there should be some type of vetting. Meaning, like you did, Daniel. Like where are you at? Because this is where I'm at. So how do you vet now? I know, Daniel, you're in a, in a committed relationship, but Darren, how do you maybe vet differently now for what you're looking for than maybe how you did, a, you know, six months ago? Or Daniel, you uh, can well, answer this too. You can still have an answer even though you're in a committed relationship. Going through the experience of uh, divorce and going through that period where I didn't know what I wanted, it's easy to tell when the, there are women out there that have just been through, been through divorce where they don't know where they want. So that's like the first sign. Okay, if you don't know what you want, it's it's time to back off, slow down, figure out what you want first, and then you know move on. But there's the vetting. I've I've gotten in touch with with it with so much energy in myself and and other and and realizing that I I can sense I, I can feel like what's going to work and what doesn't. I don't know. It's 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 pretty it's pretty cool how that worked. Once you healed yourself, it's pretty much an energy thing like you can tell when things are going to work and when things aren't going to work in any business transaction i mean daniel you're a salesman there's an energy in that transaction as well there's just a feel to it there's an intuition and i've that's something i wasn't listening to in my marriage that flipped a switch during the divorce is i'm listening to my intuition and i'm i'm hearing my intuition say this woman isn't for you time to move on does that make sense so you're you're listening to your gut more Trusting yeah. your gut. Trusting that inner voice. All right, Daniel, I, I know that you talk a lot about intentional dating. So I want to ask you, what would be your top three vetting questions if you were dating, if you weren't in an exclusive relationship? Right well, now? I'm a big believer if you are an intentional dater and you've had all these historical bad experiences of, you know, going down the path with the wrong people that you need to vet really well up front. You need to protect your time and your mental space. And so, uh, probably the number one question is to ask someone point blank, what are you looking for? And everybody's like, oh, that's such a cliche question. Everybody asks it, but you want to be able to hear someone articulate it very well, what they look, what they're looking for. And if it's, I don't know, or if, if then that means that they're, they don't know what they want. And so I think that's a big question. And I think the second question for the divorce community is why do you get divorced? And that seems such a very direct question, but it always evokes whether or not someone is emotionally available and if they've healed from their divorce, because if if nothing but venom comes out of someone, well, she did this and she did that and blah, 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 
then you know that person is not healed and I don't want to touch that. And if somebody has a very thoughtful answer, and this is why it didn't happen, because we, you hear we and I, I. You, hear, mm-hmm. you hear accountability, you hear someone that's self-aware, you know that they've gone through their healing process, they're not triggered by their spouse anymore, and they own it. And that's when you're like, okay, this person is healthy and someone that I should dive in further. So those, maybe instead of the top three, those are the top two that I would definitely ask out of the gate with each person that you encounter. I'd say that's that it's so attractive to hear someone own their divorce, you know, it, and if, if I meet a woman that owns something like that, I know we can move move forward. I know men get a lot of flack for not being emotionally available. Would you agree with that? Maybe it's just me in my own little world, but I see some heads nodding. We are the <laughs> emotionally, we are the emotionally unavailable narcissists. That's what men are. Let's just throw yeah. both of those definite those descriptions in the men bucket because right. I've never heard of a female that's been described as a narcissist. I'll just say it right there. Like if you go on social media, have you heard of TikTok, gentlemen? Are you familiar? <laughs> oh my gosh! With this uh, thing called TikTok, so I have dipped my little toe into TikTok, and I have learned it's just a space I can only spend so much time in because of that messaging. Like every other thing is about a narcissist. I just can't do it. I'm just gonna say women are also emotionally unavailable, and women are also also can be narcissists. Let's just speak the truth. And so I want to hear from you two gentlemen, for again the divorced dad listening, like. And for the divorced mom listening, for anyone who's, you know, been divorced, what does it mean to you when you know like someone isn't emotionally available? Because one thing I learned about myself kind of looking at my dating patterns for the last four years Mm. is that, you know what, I could be a little more emotionally available. I am clearly choosing people who are not able to have relationship because I'm a little afraid of relationship. That doesn't mean I don't want it. It just means I'm not really emotionally available because I am not choosing it. It's a difference between like a wanting and a choice. Does that make sense? Yeah. What I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. And just, you know, to own that, like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And so I'm choosing people who cannot give me what I really want. And so I, I need to work on that fear and heal that within myself. And so I'm just going to say that I'm not super emotionally available. Doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Just means I'm someone who has fear. Yeah, but it's such an overused word and nobody can ever describe it. I almost think that what people are really trying to say is someone isn't emotionally stable versus emotionally available. Because when I think of when people say that, I think that they're dealing with people that have emotional roller coasters where they get triggered easily by certain behaviors or certain activities. Maybe they've got a past, you know, trauma that they haven't healed from like a divorce. And so that easily triggers them. And so you're dealing with someone that's just, you know, just has, doesn't have this kind of constant is able to control their emotions. Maybe they get caught up into, and I'm, I'm not labeling women because men are just as much caught into drama, but you see a lot of people that are caught up into drama, whether it's with family, friends, prior relationships, and that seems to trigger them all the time and you hear about it. And so I almost feel like it's, you know, it's maybe less about availability. It's more about someone just doesn't have that continuity that you want emotionally. I don't know. It may be wrong. How about you, Derek? I think you nailed it. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I w- I'm going to go back to vulnerability. There has to be a vulnerability. Uh, and, and I'm not saying just on the first date or the second date, spill everything. But what I mean is have those talks that can spark the emotion and and dig deeper into uh those conversations and i don't mean we have to we have to go you know 
way deep to childhood trauma or anything, but make yourself available for those emotions during the date, whether it's probably not the second, it's probably not the first, maybe the second or third date. So you can have intelligent conversations about how you felt about that when, you know, when this happened and how you felt about this. And, and I think if you're holding back now, maybe you're holding back because you're not an emotional match. That makes a lot of sense. Time to move on. But if you find that you're able to be comfortable with another human on a date, then keep doing it. Be a little emotional. It's okay to be emotional with the right person. It's got to be with the right person. Right. You have to have that that. Yeah, yeah. Have you two read the article written by psychologist uh, Greg Matos? It's been on social media about the lonely single male. It was in Psychology Today. No, I haven't. Have you read it, Daniel? I, uh, I've definitely seen a lot of people posting about it. Um, I've, I glanced over the article, but I didn't, I can't speak to it authoritatively. No. So he talks candidly to men on their team. Like I'm on your team. I want you to be winning and happy. And I think you need to up your game and start allowing yourself to, you know, do the work, get some therapy, because if you aren't doing the work and healing yourself, you're not going to have healthy emotional, you're not going to have healthy relationships. And a lot of women culturally have more permission to do that. We have permission to talk about our feelings that we're seeing a therapist. It's not some taboo thing. Women talk about these things all the time. And so in this article, he talks about how women are kind of like fed up and gentlemen, like you need to up your game because you're going to remain lonely and single if you don't. And he actually got, he's gotten so much commentary on this article, like women are raving and men actually have been writing him hate mail. He's received hate mail from men about this article. So I'm just curious. I would love for you to read the article. In fact, I'll put it in the show notes for everyone listening to read, but I read it and it made me sad. It made me sad because I think we live in such a culture that has set men up to fail emotionally. And it has set men and women in relationship up to fail because we aren't giving men permission to be fully human. We aren't giving you permission to have this thing called feelings. You know, there's just a lot around that. It's just, it's, it's tricky for men. It's trickier for men than for women. Just like for women, it's harder to be sexual beings and not be judged for that and not be called certain names if we want to be sexual. Right. So I think the patriarch in general has kind of put us both in these positions that make it challenging to have healthy relationships. But I just, I would love for you to react to, you know, the essence of his article. Like, what do you think men can do differently to be more emotionally available? And I'm on, I'm on your team. Like I want divorced dads to be winning. I don't bash men. I don't, I don't do that because that only perpetuates the problem. That doesn't lead to any type of solution, having that type of mentality. Vulnerability, and this is one thing that I want all men to know, is vulnerability is strong. That is strong. Being able to express how you feel, especially in a relationship, is so important. And I think you nailed it when you said that, you know, the society has built men to fail in that area because some women can't handle a vulnerable man. I know there have been instances, you know, in my life where I put something really vulnerable and emotional out there and I was told to grow up. And we learn that, you know, sometimes we learn that in a young age, sometimes we learn that later in life. But looking back on that experience, and it, it happened, you know, recently too. looking back on that experience, realizing, wow, this, some people just men and women can't handle vulnerability, but realize that it's strong. Speak up when you have an emotion. And you're it once you're able to talk about your emotions, you can understand it more. And you're able to 
um, you're able to manipulate them more as well. So you can turn a negative in, a negative emotion or, or a sadness, work through it into a positive experience with another partner. So that vulnerability thing is so strong. And I think, I think those men that wrote them hate notes probably need some therapy. I know therapy was, was one of my saving races too. do it. You, we all need someone to talk to. Thanks, Darren. How about you, Daniel? Well, I, I want to read the article a little bit deeper now. I do think that as a content creator and a creator that has probably 90% of my followership are women, I hear about the experiences that women are having in dating. And I think a lot of times there's a lot of generalizations with men. All men get thrown into the, totally you know, he's just a F boy or he's, you know, he's a narcissist or he's emotionally unavailable he's and everybody gets thrown in, into that bucket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my response always is, is look, look, if you're on any dating app or, or even if you went to the bar and there weren't dating apps, probably 10% of the men are going to be men that would even align with you anyway. And even within that 10%, it may be one guy. And guess what? You're only looking for one person. And so to throw everybody into this toxic, everybody's worthless bucket isn't fair to the people that are getting it right, which is a smaller population. But there's plenty of men that are emotionally available, that have done the work, that are intentionally dating. And part of the reason why they're not active daters, because a lot of them aren't, is because they're fed up with the emotionally unavailable women that are out there or the women that constantly throw all men into the same bucket. And so that's always been my response is, look, you're not looking for the hundreds of men. You're looking for one and it's going to take time and it's going to take a lot of vetting to try to find the right person, but they're out there. They're gems, they're not pennies. You can find a penny on the street. You're gonna have to really do some hard rock mining to go find the gem if that's what you want. Or you could start dating women too. I don't know, I just had to say it. You could be a little bicurious. <laughs> that. You could that. be a little bicurious. I know you're divorced, try new things, I say. You know, I had to lighten the mood up just a little bit. I had to, but, <laughs> but you know, I think also that scarcity mentality, because I know I can get that way. I'm like, oh my God, like, like talk about it, mighty. I'm like, I don't want to be mining. I work hard enough. Like, I mean, like, come on guys and gals. Like let's have also have a little fun with this because you just, you can't. It should be a fun yes, process. You can't let yourself, yes. you cannot set yourself up to have this scarcity mentality. Gentlemen, am I right? Or am I, am I right? I am right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. When you're in, when you're in scarcity, you're going to make, you're, you're, you're like, you're panicked. Right. You know, you think that's the only person that you have and that's not true. That's not the gem. And you always are thinking of the worst of everyone. And here's what you also have to realize guys. And I, I want to do a little bit more uh, of a study of like, the history of courtship, but modern dating really started in like the 1920s. That's when there was like this free choice to date whomever you you wanted to. Before it was a guy that that a guy came came to call on a girl at his house, sit down with his parents, ask for permission to call on her. He had to come to the house. There was a there was a supervisor who watched and it changed in the 1920s. And now it's evolved to where um, there's so much access because you just get on the phone and in five minutes you have access right. to hundreds if not thousands of people. That's another mentality. Well, I can have, I can upgrade, upgrade. We're going to constantly upgrade. So you have to really be, a, you have to be intentional. That's such Yeah, a, we're trying to figure this out. Yeah. That's the point. It's yeah. only a hundred years old. Online dating is, is only 20 years old. And look, yeah, you're having to learn new skills to navigate through the sludge to get to the right people. What's the best skill you've learned since your divorce around dating? Mine is be myself. 
I lost myself in my marriage. I lost myself in my divorce and I found myself. And when you can be yourself. I love it. I did too. That's it. That's all you have to do. Darren, I'm cheering, doing my perfect. That's such a good answer. It is. I love that answer. What about you, Daniel? Just learning the ability. I mean, Darren, uh, to echo yours, I think just embracing your inner dorkiness is is great. And all the quirks that you have, uh, don't cover those up. And I think also is just, you know, really learning how to read people, not only romantic relationships, but platonic friendships as well. Having the ability to discern who's real and who isn't. It's an acquired trait. It takes skill. But once you figure that out, then you can figure out who you need to invest in based on how you discern other people. And I'm going to add to the mix. One thing I have learned is you got to go with how people, their, their people's actions. Words are great. You both, you gentlemen, you talked about how charming yes. you were. So charming. <laughs> Good with the words. I have met, I can be charming too. And I have met some really charming Romeos, I will tell you. But I, if their actions and words don't match, mm, the actions are the truth. That's my 100%. observation. You're right. Yep, that's my observation. Yep. That's my observation. Okay, well, this has been the juicy turkey breast before Thanksgiving dinner, and I knew it would be. We have to end with one more uh, heart question. This is my heart question for both of you. And this has been so Here we much go. fun. I know. We're, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do um, a reel where we all sing Whitney Houston's The Greatest Love of All. <laughs> all right. Okay, we're going to do that, guys. Okay, look for that yeah. listener because Darren and Daniel, we're going to be rocking that out with Whitney. Don't you just play like? Absolutely. Don't you finally get that song? I'm like, oh my God, yeah. at age 40 something, I finally get what she was talking about. Okay, <laughs> here's my heart question just for you too. The theme of season three uh, for Sadie's Divorce and Happy is about the comeback. How have you come back? Because you just talked about being your authentic self and being your dorky self. And I love that. Like, how have you come back to yourself since your divorce? Just really like short and sweet. What would you say? I'm able to laugh a lot more. There's less pressure. Emotions are flowing. Like I don't have any, I don't have any, you know, holdbacks. I'm just, I'm able to smile like with, with, for no reason. I love that. Daniel, how about you? You know, I think that the, I've said this before, there's an incredible window of opportunity after a divorce before you get into the next relationship to invest in nobody but yourself. And if everybody would do that, and I don't mean just doing like the self-work and the therapy, I mean like going through the self-discovery process, dusting off those old hobbies and those old passions, maybe relighting a new career and just kind of rediscovering who you are. What's the newer and better version of yourself? It changes your whole dynamic on who you want to date. If you do that, too often we reverse it where we go out and we're looking for that plus one and we haven't rediscovered ourselves. I'd, I'd argue that once you rediscover yourself, you're going to look across the room and be like, uh, you don't fit. <laughs> you don't match it. what I want. Go through that read that self-discovery process because it's priceless. So, All right. I know a lot of people listening are going to want to slide into your DMs after this chat. <laughs> this cherry pie chat. Darren. Here we go. How are they going to find you? I want to know. I want to hear it. Find me on Instagram. It's Husband's Diary with Darren. It's called Husband's Diary. It's after the book I wrote about my divorce. Um, so find me on Husband's Diary with Darren on Instagram. Darren Douglas on TikTok and Darren Douglas on Facebook. It's Darren with one R. And he wrote a book and he's only been divorced a year. I, I just kind of crazy. Yeah. Drop the mic. Okay. Daniel, how are they going to find you? How's the listener going to? Uh, it's just my full name with a period in between the first and last at Daniel dot Harold H E R R O L D. I'm in, I'm on TikTok and Instagram. Okay. And all of that will be in the show notes. I hope you two have the most scrumptious Thanksgiving with your loved ones. And thank you so much for being part of 
this episode. It has been so fun and, of course, delicious. Thank you. This was Thank you great. so much. Love you, Sadie. Wow. Let's do it again. Let's do it again and look for that reel. I'm not even kidding. Greatest love of all. We're doing it. Let's high-fiving. <laughs> We're high-fiving. Here it comes. Boom. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> That conversation with Darren and Daniel for me, that was like Thanksgiving dinner. It was very satisfying. It was very scrumptious. I love those two guys. I hope it filled you up too. And I hope it also was entertaining and enlightening. And now you are better prepared to avoid foodie calls and find the gems when dating. And of course, I want you to DM me and let me know how it goes. All the details. Season three is all about the comeback. And if you have been enjoying the episodes this season, I would love it if you would treat me to a review on iTunes or any podcast that you listen to that allows you to leave a review or a rating. It's an easy way that you can support the podcast. And I say thank you in advance. And speaking of support, it's time for this week's comeback tip. Sadie steps to happiness. I love today's episode. We're going from foodie calls and all that those entail to comeback tips. But there is a common theme between the two. And I have a burning question for you. Are you recently divorced and finding yourself tempted to fill the void left by your partner? Maybe you've been divorced for a while now and you're feeling lonely. I mean, it's the holidays. A lot of us feel lonely during the holidays and you're trying to find outside sources to fill in the cracks. I totally get it. It's so tempting to heal a bruised ego or a broken heart by using people to stroke our egos. That's why we all love the dating app so much, instant gratification. It's easier to stuff down our feelings using alcohol or food or drugs or sex to numb out. But I'm leaning in, friend, and I want to ask, how is that working out for you? It can be painful to find yourself divorced, but in the long run, it is so much more painful to engage in behaviors that can hurt yourself or hurt others, and ultimately can delay your comeback journey. And please hear me when I say there is nothing wrong with finding new things and spending time with new people post-divorce, but just be mindful about what you're doing to fill you up in the short term, because it can also be a way of avoiding the challenging work of healing yourself like I talked about today with Darren and Daniel. Feeling crummy after divorce is totally normal, and allowing yourself an X amount of time to explore or Now, you know, that's fine, but just don't get stuck because your comeback journey requires forward, positive, and healthy momentum. And so this week, I want you to adopt a comeback mentality that says, I don't want to deal with this, but I know it'll only get worse if I don't confront it head on. Take that first baby step towards healing. It's going to feel delicious. I just know it is. And soon you're going to be running before you know it. You've got this, friend. And remember, it's all leading to your comeback. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode and be sure to subscribe, rate, and of course, review the podcast. And I want you to be part of this life after divorce community by following me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and TikTok at Sadie's Divorced and Happy. Be sure to also visit my website, divorcedandhappy.net to download Sadie's eight tips to happiness. You'll also find all of my podcast episodes on my website as well. If you've found value in my podcast, consider being an official sponsor. Email contact at divorcedandhappy.net to learn more about this tasty opportunity. And speaking of tasty, you can also buy me a cup of coffee. It's simple. Just visit buymeacoffee backslash Sadie Marie, and you can buy me a cup or two, and I thank you for your support. I'm your host, Sadie Marie, and I look forward to seeing you next week for another round of content created to kickstart your comeback.